What's up? You know, we don't have to do the clap every time. Why not? Just once? No, I don't think we have to do that at all. Oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the We Should Talk More podcast. The podcast where two lifelong friends who don't have much in common try and get a little bit closer. My name is John Alzate. I'm the director, the host, the lovable guy of Alzate Films. Of Alzate Films. And uh, my name is Josh Coronel, the three-time world champion, hot dog eating champion. Uh, so yeah, welcome. Welcome. So, welcome to Should Talk More. We Should Talk More We podcast. Should Talk More. Uh, we got a good episode today. A great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Josh's move and subsequent move back from Wisconsin, which happened uh, from May of 2019, and then you came back in April of last year. April 22nd of last year, of last 2020. Year. Yep. So almost a full year you were gone, and a lot happened during that time. A and we're gonna we're gonna we're happen. gonna dive into uh, the circumstances leading up to it. Um, what was going on during it, how it changed you and the circumstances coming home. Um, so I guess to start off, um, I guess we can talk a little bit about the circumstances in your life that you think contributed to you. Cause for, for people that don't know, um, we just grad, we, we were graduating in 2019 and mm-hmm. then I don't know where Josh is like. Yo, I got, I got, I got an offer at this place in in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm out, and and it was literally like that. He was gone, uh, at least from other people's perspectives. Yeah, I got the offer back in February. So that's right. Yeah, and so you were going to a couple places, yeah. weren't you? Like, oh, actually, I got the offer in uh, March, middle of March, and I made the decision towards the like end of March, maybe like March 25th. Okay. Um, I was having another interview over in Boston with mm-hmm. MathWorks. Um, but ended up not getting that job. I made it to the final round, didn't get that job. So at that point I knew I was just going to continue and move forward with the move to Wisconsin. Yeah. But I mean, you jumped straight into it. You didn't even let me talk about the coffee today. (laughs) (laughs) You always try to skip the coffee job. You know, it's like the coffee takes up so much time of, of my podcast energy. Yeah. This is our (laughs) podcast. All right. All right. So yes, I guess before diving into this, Josh was lovely enough. To purchase a coffee today uh-huh. um, so why don't you tell them what you got yeah so i lined up at starbucks and asked for two grande iced coffees with cream and it's delicious yeah it's creamy it's it's very creamy yeah yeah they always have uh some strength to it that you don't expect from other coffees <clears throat> um i don't know what they do to it but it's bold, and I like I like bold. Yeah, I would say it's bold. Mm-hmm. That's how I describe it. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, back to it. You really digressed there, but <laughs> why, why don't we jump into Wisconsin and yeah. like uh, we have to give we have story. to give people the tease, and then mm-hmm. we like pulled back, talk about coffee, and like they're just waiting. They're waiting right now to hear <sighs> hear the story. I, I I would be waiting too. <laughs> I really want to hear this, Josh. I really want to hear this. 
people who aren't familiar with her voice are really confused right I know. now. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of, uh, this is off, off topic, but I was thinking we should do an episode where we both pretend to be the other person because like people won't <laughs> even know the difference. <laughs> All right, all right. Yes. Back on topic. Okay. Back on topic. The the motivation behind the move, the circumstances in your life that I guess made that an easy decision. Because to, to most people, that that might not be uh, an easy decision. Yeah, it really isn't. You're really thinking about moving away from anyone that you know. I don't know anyone outside of New Jersey for the most part. I know a few people in New York, but that's about it. Beyond the tri-state area, I'm in. A whole nother land. Yeah. So early on, I would say, like, I built this drive just to build my own responsibility or to have my mm-hmm. own responsibility. And I would say a lot of that was kind of shaped for my dad because my dad, at a young age, moved to the country at 18. Mm-hmm. He came from Ecuador and he um, didn't come with anything. He didn't come with any money. He didn't come with uh, any family or friends around in the area. And he, he made for himself. And so seeing that hard work ethic really kind of gave me the same determination mm-hmm. and drive to want to see the same for myself and not really depend on others to provide for me. So I almost immediately started seeking opportunities that would open those doors for me. So you can like draw that back to like the summer of 2017 when mm-hmm. we really like flourished our relationship when it came to like what we did with YouTube or mm-hmm. where you really like took off with YouTube and I was there as support. Uh, and the friend group, we kind of grew around that time too. So back in 2017, I moved out um, of my parents for the first time, but this is only like two uh, dorm uh, mm-hmm. and I'm like 30 minutes away. So it's it's like baby steps here for me. I didn't dorm in college. Um, I didn't really get the opportunity to, I didn't want to like, um, I didn't make my own money at the time. Yeah. I'm a college student and I didn't really want to take too much money away from my parents by having to pay for me to dorm. Um, so, I mean, the best, the best at that time is like get as much financial aid. Uh, so I wouldn't have to worry about too much college expenses mm-hmm. and wouldn't have to ask my parents for all that much. So all throughout college, I stopped asking for money outside of what they like the basic essential needs that they provided for me. But they weren't paying for my college anymore because I was able to get enough financial aid and some enough uh, scholarships to cover most of it that I can pay the rest. Um, then I did the same the following year. I went over to a little further. Now I'm venturing out a little more. I went out uh, down towards the end of Long Island over at Brookhaven. Uh, I worked at the National Lab for an internship this summer. At this time in my life, I was really looking to do research um, down in the biomedical engineering path. And so, like, at this time, I was planning on going into a graduate program. I was planning on getting my PhD. That very much um, made a shift, mm-hmm. or I very much made a shift during my senior year where I was just uh, too preoccupied, too uh, backed up. A lot of things were a lot more uh, demanding than I anticipated. I just kind of pushed off the applications for graduate school, mm-hmm. and I made this shift and, well, let's enter the workforce. Um, and no better way to become independent than entering the workforce <laughs> because being a graduate student, you're really not making all that much money. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at this point, I just jumped straight into uh, applying for jobs and I was not closing off any opportunities. I was looking at different states. I was looking within the state. Um, and the first door that really opened for me was out in Wisconsin at a company called Epic. Um, this is a healthcare software company. Um 
And they require you to live within 45 minutes of the company in order to uh, work there. So, were, And were they located out of Madison or were they, or is that just where you decided to live? So Madison, Wisconsin is where I moved to. Uh, Verona, Wisconsin is where Epic is based out mm-hmm. of, which is only like a 30 minute drive. Okay. So I, when I was looking for apartments at the time, I looked in the media area of uh, Madison, Wisconsin, like right in the center. Just because it was, it would be more lively. It would be easier to socialize. It would be easier to, uh, like, make way uh, in this move where I don't know mm-hmm. anyone. Oh well, I, I wanted to ask one, one last thing. Yeah. Um, I guess leading to the motivation. I know you touched on your dad, but did, did you ever feel like you had a you had like a pressure from your parents to to become independent, or was this just something that you took on yourself, like? Like seeing the way that, or like the stories you heard, that it's like you took it on yourself that you wanted to be that way. I, I love that you asked this because it was quite the opposite. It was exactly the opposite. At mm. this time, my, as I decided to move, my mom is very open to it. My mom's very understanding. My yeah. mom is very patient with many things. Mm. If she's, if I make a decision, she lets me make my own decision. Mm. She doesn't want to like interfere. She, understands and uh is proud of seeing that growth in um in her children but my dad got really depressed about it Mm -hmm. my dad wasn't as uh it it didn't warm up yeah it didn't warm up as much to him he was a little sad because he was seeing that he was losing this control over his Mm -hmm. kids where um he sees that we don't need him anymore he saw in a a little bit of a more negative light in the way that it really came across but at the end of the day i mean he, he meant well with it but uh, it comes across in a way that really like holds back, yeah. holds you back, and like affects him negatively just yeah. by like losing some happiness from that. Yeah, I feel like I noticed this in my dad too. It's like a hard thing for dads to like lose, like you, you mentioned, like lose that control because I think mm-hmm. you're they're so used to uh, having like total control over your life to to have the realization that like oh they're doing stuff without like my say. It, it's kind of hard to uh, to accept that, and I, it's just it's interesting how it's often too like. Like your your dad's story of being someone so independent, then having kids and not wanting them to be as as independent, because it's like it's just weird that, <laughs> it's that you counterintuitive. See that. Yeah, it's like different, and like even they themselves might brag about how their life experiences they they did all this on their own, but then again, they don't want their kids to go through the same thing, or or they're just like not willing to be open to their kids being as as independent, doing what they want. Yeah, I mean, I think in that tradition <laughs> of like making. A life for yourself there's a lot of pride that somebody yeah. builds in that and becoming so prideful and knowing that you were able to build yourself up without any support around you uh part of those rewards were having kids that you can support yeah and now that you have kids that you can support that no longer need your support you can look at it in two ways there's there's the way to look at it where you're proud of the person you're proud of your kids you're proud of that growth which is really what you should yeah. be looking out for in your children but there's also part of that emotional touch to it where you start feeling like you're losing control you're losing uh what you your pride and joy what yeah. you like worked your whole life to mm-hmm. uh, make out for yeah so i mean i can understand it, it's hard to really reconcile it um because you're looking out for your own growth now as a child. You're looking out to uh, build up for yourself and become more independent and responsible and uh, have a successful life and having somebody there who will want to hold you back just because of their ego or pride will makes it hard at yeah. that time. But at the same time, they're doing it in a way that they 
you have to understand where they're coming from and they're coming from an area where they are very prideful prideful and like what they were able to put together mm-hmm. um but that that's not to say my dad uh, didn't become love his loving at this point my mm-hmm. dad is still extremely loving yeah. uh, regardless so the move i had to start planning for the move <laughs> the decision was made around like we said in the beginning of the episode around, around the end of march end of march towards the end of march that leaves between the end of March to June 3rd to move over to Wisconsin. I'm graduating college. End of May. Yeah, like May, May 21st. May, May 21st, I think it was. I'm, I'm preoccupied with school. I'm not too concerned about it. I, I'm very much in this mindset of I'm going to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. There's so much that can come at you at once, but... You have to be open to all the opportunities, all the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, you choose which possibility or which path you're going to go down. So I wasn't too worried or concerned or stressed out with this idea that, well, in a month and a half, I have to get my shit together and pack everything and go. I just realized that as the school year wraps up, I'll... Have everything planned at that time. I'll pack all my things and I'll make my way and uh, say goodbye to everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, so as as the school year does wrap up, we I have scheduled everything out. So like, I have everything to move. I have all my things that I want packed. Packed. Uh, removed all the non-essential items at this time. I was living towards like a very minimalistic approach in my life where I wasn't to hold on to things that weren't needed. So I was able to pack everything into two suitcases and a carry-on book bag. So everything that I can just throw onto a plane, ready to go, uh, everything else was going to be at the apartment that I was planning on moving into. Um, But I have everything scheduled out now to like see people too. Mm -hmm. Um, All my friends... We had two, John, you were there. We had back-to-back barbecues. You made a beautiful video about it. Go check it out on Al's 8 Films. No, no, yeah, I was going to touch upon that, how uh, a lot of, like, the you deciding to move and stuff, I, I added that into, like, the, the videos I was making at the time. As like, do you remember, like, at the end of one of the videos, there was, like, a thing of you calling me, mm-hmm. telling me that you were going to leave? Yeah. Because um, it did feel like a big deal. It did, it did feel like a big, like... Uh, it, it was like a big, you know, it was like going to be a big change. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely wanted to make it like a part of whatever content I, I was the making. The whole arc time. of your content. Because um, that's how I feel like, um, especially when there's been stuff with like a storyline, it, it ha- had always come from like a real point. And, and that was like a, a big uh, moment. But um, I was going to ask too, cause I remember you were you were touching upon like your, your, your minimalistic uh, outlook and like your your clothing and stuff but i guess is did you feel like that was also how you were just like in terms of like um emotional like investment with people too because i i know like we touched on this a bit mm-hmm. before but um you 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 felt like you kind of in- internalized a lot of like the emotions at that time so do, do you feel like that came from not not wanting to put too much value or not viewing it as like worth putting like putting so much stress on like worrying about those those friendships breaking or anything like that i had a lot of values i, I haven't thought about it in that way to mm-hmm. start off with i haven't thought about how my how at that time thinking through living life 
more as a minimalist mm. would really tie into this idea of like internalizing emotions and like having this positive outlook in many different ways. Um, but it very, it, it might, it might very well tie in. I just haven't really like reflected on that all that much. Yeah. But and I only just like made that connection because it, it is almost like similar. Like you, you, you know, kind of minimize your emotions yeah. and uh, respect for what you should value a little bit more in life. Yeah. Um, but let, let's touch on the emotions a little bit perhaps because I, w- I was very compassionate to like the relationships mm-hmm. I had. I cared a lot about my relationships and I didn't want to let things outward uh, emotions to really like interfere or damage that. And I wanted to make sure that any relationships I had could be continued to main- be maintained. Um, and I wouldn't want to let like small changes or big changes in life really impact that. Mm-hmm. And part of that was really just keeping a more positive outlook on things and living in that moment. And so there, even though I was leaving, I didn't let it take a toll on me. I didn't let it take a toll. Like, well, I might be gone for God knows how long. There is no set uh, plan at this time to ever return to New Jersey other than just to visit. But you you weren't viewing that as like the end to these relationships. Like just just because. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So at this point, too, I guess like good context is like I removed myself off of social media. Mm-hmm. I was off of Instagram. I was off of Facebook. I still had Snapchat, but I, it was it didn't like add to the social aspect as much as uh, the other platforms really did. And I spent a lot more time trying to value and spend time to nurture those relationships mm-hmm. that I had in my life. Um, and now but I didn't at this point, get too caught up in any change. Any change didn't really take a toll on me. Even if, like, deep down inside, looking back at it, I think there were emotions that were, like, moving around that just didn't come to the uh, forefront at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's heavy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to unpack, too. It's hard yeah. to unpack anything that's really going on, like, mentally at, this, yeah. at, at any stage in your life. It's a lot to dig into. It's a lot to try to speak to. And it's a lot to try to express. Yeah. And I I think like it's fine, too, because I feel like in in those situations, too, it's often like um, it'll be a while after when you really start like acknowledging those emotions or like realizing how how you felt or should have felt at at a certain time. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to just like 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 you said, everything was happening so quickly um, it's easy to just live in the moment and not really think about it all that much while it's happening. And then all of a sudden you're living in Wisconsin and all, all these things have changed. And it's uh-huh. like, like th- then you realize like, what, wow. what yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so there, there were going to become a lot of changes, uh, with that move, but I valued the last moments we had together, uh, in New Jersey and very well planned on continuing the relationships that I had in New Jersey and didn't want just being separated by a thousand miles or so mm-hmm. to interfere with that. Um, but the move happened. The move happened. The move happens. Now I'm in Wisconsin. I f- flew out there. I found a three bedroom apartment with two other Epic employees. Mm-hmm. Um, Epic made the process very easy to connect with other people and uh, find sublisa apartment if you had sublisa apartment and so that's exactly what i did and i moved in with uh two strangers 
had no clue who I was moving in with, but you know, with this uh, impression that they would be other fellow employees, there wasn't too much to really be concerned about. I connected with them prior to moving. I reached out to them. I uh, texted them, but I never actually had a phone call or any of that, any, any like uh, personal mm-hmm. connection. But they were cool people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did struggle to connect with them. Now I'm coming in with having to make all these first impressions again. Yeah, I always had, I already had many of my friendships established in New Jersey. Uh, I was well established with the friend group we had uh, from high school. Well established with the friend group we had. I had from New uh, NJIT, mm-hmm. and I really brought you in there too. Um, but now I have to start again, and you know, at this point, I never really like thought I would struggle with it. I never thought I would struggle with it because I did so well with it when it came to mm-hmm. NJIT. You, I remember part of your going away video. You even said, uh, I can imagine that Josh is going to go out there and not struggle at all. He's going to make so many friends. And yeah. like, we'll make those connections together. Too. Yeah, and, like, and that's true. Because like, um, like you mentioned with, with NJIT, because like when I think about our college experiences, like my my college friends were the friends that you've made in NJIT because you just like so greatly like casted a net um, in your college and you made all these connections where like a lot of people I knew too you just go to college and you, you go to class, mm. you go home. Like you don't really, and, and you didn't even dorm. Like you, you had like the, the summer there, but most people who dorm, they make like friends because of the situation, but you had less of a reason to, to make all these connections. And some of our closest friends are, are the people that, uh, from NJT. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just, just viewing that too. Like, I, I think a lot of people thought too, like you were such an open person that like, it didn't really seem like it would be an, an issue for you, which I even find interesting that, that, that you're saying this now, too, because it's like I, I never it's hard for me to imagine you uh, feeling nervous about that, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, no, 100 percent. And to really think about it, I have always been open to relationships. I've always been open to introducing other people to my life. I've always been open to really welcoming strangers. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more into that, too, yeah. as we go along in the story. <clears throat> but. At this, at the very beginning of it, I kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. Uh, one big reason where I kind of didn't fit in as well is I'm 23, and at this point, I still didn't drink. Mm-hmm. I went throughout college, went throughout being 21, 22, halfway through 23 without having one full cup of alcohol. Uh, not straight alcohol, of course, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> anything to, I never experienced being tipsy. I never experienced mm-hmm. feeling drunk. Um, all throughout this experience, uh, very much of it was like attributed to me wanting to live a healthy life. And also I was just a little more while I was so open to relationships and I never really struggled to have, uh, friends back in college or high school. I still maintained a level of like uptightness about myself, Mm -hmm. I think. And I wasn't all that loosened up. Um, and so I think that had a big factor. Well, in, in addition to any like sense of awkwardness mm-hmm. in my personality, um, I think that had a huge factor in like why I didn't really connect too well with my roommates. I vividly remember I'll get into the first time where like I finally like delve in and like slept and decided, well, to cope with like the social awkwardness, I'm a I'm a drink. Uh, that first time was a night that my two roommates, they, they were getting lit. They were mm-hmm. getting lit right in the kitchen. I was there with them. We were just chatting, uh, having a good time, but they were getting lit to go out and I was going to stay behind. And that's not because I didn't, I, I didn't want to go. 
I would have I would have definitely have went if I was uh, offered an invite, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really offered an invite at that yeah. time. Um, just because I wasn't as well connected with them as uh, they were with each other. And that makes sense. I mean, if I'm not really feeling the vibe with somebody within our group, well, not within our group, but uh, within a wider circle of a mm-hmm. group, uh, and like I was to have a time that we're going to hang out, I'm not going to go out of my way to invite somebody else yeah. that we're not as connected with. So then I get a text message. Buddies that I met from my job through some training that we were doing. They're like, oh, bro, we're downtown. Why don't you come join us? We have rounds of margarita. <laughs> I'm like, well, I've never had margarita before in my life. <laughs> but um, and I didn't say this, but I'm internalizing this. But I have not much else to do right now. So why not? So I go downtown, um, go to this Mexican spot. And the guy pours me a margarita and I wasn't going to turn it down. And they were out drinking. I, I could have easily have said, like I've done on many other occasions, uh, back at NJIT mm-hmm. and with you guys that, no, I'm not going to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't drink. And if they question it, then I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll like do my best to try to express why. But I didn't feel like going through that. I don't really know these people all that well. I felt like it was going to add this extra barrier to barrier to enter into a social friendship, mm-hmm. a social group. And I didn't want to like introduce this extra complication to that. So I decided, well, fuck it. Let's, let's have a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have the margarita. It was, it was a frozen margarita. It was pretty light. I don't think it really had much of an impact. Um, and then we went out to the next place. I had an old fashioned. Uh, and the funny thing is, and I reflect on this with John uh, recently is that, my first two drinks, margaritas and old fashions, are the two drinks, the only two drinks I really know how to make right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and like I've introduced those. Well, John has had a margarita far before I have had. And he's, uh, he, you, you would drink it bef- if I was or was I in your life. But um, old fashions, I introduced to you. Old fashions, you had for the first time um, when I've, I've shared it with you. And that was only because it was uh, one of my first drinks. So mm-hmm. it had like a bigger impression on me. Yeah. Um, so I had that. And I had an Irish car bomb, which is another drink I've uh, I've shared with you. And then I think for the rest of the night, I had a couple beers. But I didn't feel anything at that point. Um, so that was that one night. That was the first experience I ever had drinking. Um, and I didn't think much of it. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. I went out with these guys. We went out to a couple bars. We socialized. Um, and I just went back home. Feeling okay. The alcohol didn't really hit me at this point. I was drinking pretty slowly. I was having water with it. Um, and I was, I didn't want to go too hard in to begin with. Did, did you ever at, at this moment, um, or even now, like, cause I, I, I do remember how, how much you were against it. Um, almost like, like morally, it was just a thing that, that mm. you just didn't want to indulge in. Did you ever look down on yourself? Like, I'm not saying it, <laughs> that that you should, but just it's it's strange how how quick of a a change it is, especially I remember like hearing hearing about that back home. Mm-hmm. It's like oh that that's kind of crazy, just like knowing how 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 Josh is, yeah. Um, so I don't know, it, like even in in that moment, did you did you acknowledge that it was like a moment of weakness, or or did you feel that it was a moment of, of weakness? Yeah, no, that's a really interesting uh, question because it definitely like rumbled around my mind a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can say every time that I opened up to a new person that 
knew me well. Mm -hmm. You uh, folks from NJIT, folks from high school, my parents, my brothers. Every time that I first broke the ice that I started drinking, it felt that I was letting go of a piece of me. Mm -hmm. It was definitely tough because I know I held on to it very much for like you mentioned, like moral reasons to it. And I don't really want to get too much into it, but it did feel like I just sacrificed that. Mm -hmm. I sacrificed a big part of my morality to, in place of socializing, mm -hmm. which like you mentioned, there's really not much wrong with that where you want to enjoy socially drinking. It's an yeah. issue if you let it take it uh, over your life mm -hmm. and you become an alcoholic. But I was, I was always a little fearful of that too, that alcohol can just become too, too much for me and I wouldn't know how to control myself. Fortunately, that hasn't really happened. John can attest that I, I never go out. I never, I'm never, I'm never messy when I go out, right? <laughs> you can attest to that, right? No, I can't comment on that. <laughs> there has not been a single occurrence that I have gone out with John and I was messy from alcohol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. But um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to think about because when when stuff like because I, I used to feel that, that was so much part of your I identity. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I and I, I, I get what you mean there because it does feel like you it's like part of yourself that you you give up. You're not really consistent or uh, staying true to who you are. Mm -hmm. and that's what asserts feel like mm -hmm. at that point. Now, I didn't drink all that much after that. It wasn't for a little while. I, I would say that was in the month of June. Mm -hmm. I probably went out one or two, a handful of times before I started going out frequently to bars. So, so it wasn't like a habitual thing. It was just not like, at this point. Yeah. It was not a habit. Um, but I will say the first experience that I felt that the alcohol actually had an effect on me. Um, I don't know if it was my second out in drinking, but it's the second out in that I can remember and recall that I went out with a good buddy of mine that I would still like go back to. Uh, to Madison and hang out with if uh, when, when we get the chance. Um, we went out, had a drink. He He's a beer expert, so he's going down the uh, line of beers and tells me, oh, yeah, you should try this one out. And he knew I didn't drink. The first group didn't know that I didn't mm -hmm. drink. He knew I didn't drink, but he knew I just recently opened up to drinking. Mm -hmm. um, so he offered me, he, he suggested a recommendation. It was like a dark Belgian beer. but It was like 7 8%. And after drinking that, I'm sitting down. I'm feeling okay. But as we uh, stand up and we start walking around town to just check things out, I'm feeling different. <laughs> John, I'm feeling different. <laughs> different. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I, I, I don't know how to explain. Well, I, I know how to explain. I, I, I felt different many yeah. times since. <laughs> but I was feeling different. Uh, I I was looking out, uh, walking down the street, ready to talk to whoever was walking by me. Mm -hmm. Nothing was gonna stop me. I, I was feeling unstoppable at this yeah. point. Um, but I mean, this isn't really like a place to uh, go around and approach people. I'm just uh, going around and uh, chatting to strangers, uh, walking with my buddy, being a little, uh, I guess, uh, annoying than usual. But that was about it. It felt it felt good though. Mm -hmm. It felt good. 
uh, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed that experience in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my friend definitely took note of that too. Uh, like, wow, he's experiencing probably one of the first times that Josh is uh, buzzed or yeah. tipsy from alcohol. Wow, and that didn't happen for me until I was 23. So my age. <laughs> oh, your current age exactly. <laughs> so weird. Um, currently, I'm 25, and John is uh, 23. We're separated by two years. So. It wasn't until later that uh, at the end of that summer, I felt like I started to really go out, mm-hmm. started going out on a regular when I started to find people who would actually want to go out frequently. Because at this point, I didn't have a social group, really. Uh, the group that I went out with at first, um, that first time I went out drinking, like that didn't really continue all that much. I may have went out with them one other time after that. Um, and the people I did connect with and like still held on to relationships that I would uh, see at work or hit up from time to time, they weren't people who really wanted to go out every weekend. So there was an occasion where I was walking down uh, back from the gym and a stranger walks out of the bar and he's like, bro, you look very much like my best friend. <laughs> Something like that. I was like. Okay, this guy's being a little off. Yeah. Um, but his attitude, it was kind of infectious. Because mm-hmm. he, he continued the attitude with uh, some good vibes. Um, and then, like, lo and behold, he, he, like, does pull up this guy's Facebook, and he does look a little similar to how I look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just chatted. We just chatted about some random shit. Uh, I, I can't even remember, like, the details of it. We talked about a movie. We talked about... Uh, Music, he's always listening to some music, He, but he, he's also struggling, though. He's also struggling in life at this point where um, he got into, like, some confrontation with his family, and he was actually living off the streets at this point. That changes, like, the atmosphere and what you consider this relationship, like, this friendship could be. Uh, it's the first time I'm meeting this guy. Well, are, are you finding all this out in this I, one I find one it all out in the first conversation. That's strange. He, he did open up a lot. Yeah. And that's what I felt was a little different mm-hmm. and a little interesting. But he did open up a lot about like some personal issues too, which was a little different. And at this time, I had this mindset very much of making yourself a little vulnerable to people to like establish a good relationship. I still hold on to that as something that's uh, valuable or important when you're... Uh, for a man, like when you're establishing a relationship with somebody new, because the more vulnerable you are, the more open you are to people, um, the more people see that they can relate to you. Because deep down inside, a lot of us are going through some struggles. And if they can see that they're not alone in those struggles, then there's reason to uh, have a share a connection with mm-hmm. you or it, it creates connections between you two. Um, not only that, but they also see that they can trust you because you're trusting them with information. So that's kind of how I felt about this relationship at first with this guy. Um, so I thought he was, I thought he was fascinating a little bit and I I discovered that, but I I exchanged numbers with him and I go on about my day. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I'm done interacting with this guy, but I, he, he didn't leave my mind. He was he was so kind of fascinated as as such as it sounds. It's not it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Um, 
he tells me about his struggle and I introduced him like the following day to valet drivers that I knew from next door of where mm -hmm. I was living. So I was living next to a hotel where my apartment complex and I knew the valet driver there because I used I was going to the skate park at this time. I was skateboarding and one of the one of the valet drivers was so a guy who was regular at the skate park. And so I go up to the guy and I introduce him and I say, Hey, look, you can help this buddy out. Like he's out of a job. He's he would uh Appreciate if you can like get an interview or something. And so, uh, kind of so sorry. He he helps him out. Um, mm -hmm. and he he does land at a job there. He does land a job there. He oh. he works at the front desk. So that was pretty nice. Um, and and this guy like runs through his resume too with me. Uh, which is like he he's worked at hotels before. So it would it wasn't his first hotel gig. So he he had a little bit of a background that he was able to uh, really work off to be able to get himself set up there. Now. I was I went out one of the first times with this guy, and that experience was that experience was interesting. I, John, you know about a buddy of mine. I'm not gonna uh, name names right now, but you know about a buddy of mine who's very confident yeah, here in yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, um, where he'll, and, he'll go up to like like any person that walks by, he's like saying stuff. To them. Exactly, yeah. it, but it, it works. Yeah, the yeah, way that he yeah, approaches yeah. it, it works. Yeah, yeah. He'll walk up to any random stranger. He'll go up to uh, a beautiful. Yeah. The baddest, yeah. the baddest in the room. He'll walk up to the baddest in the room and he'll, he can strike a conversation mm -hmm. and it works. Mm -hmm. I've seen him do it in Dunkin' Donuts. I've seen him do it <laughs> at a library at college. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, I see the results there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've, I've always like thought that guy was incredible. I thought he was very fascinating, very interesting. Going out with this guy, I thought it was like that guy, but on steroids. <laughs> Bro, like he. I, I I remember talking to you on the phone one day, telling you about this. I'm like, yo, bro, I know somebody just like so-and-so, mm -hmm. but like 10 times like that personality. <laughs> so this guy, he'll go out. He'll go out and he'll strike up conversations. He struck up the conversation with me. He somehow made me feel comfortable. He somehow made me feel connected when I was having a conversation with him. Uh, and he very much did a lot of the same when we went out. Um so I kind of enjoyed the experience. I was talking to more people when I went out uh, when I was with him than I did in any other social groups. Mm -hmm. So I had no reason to say like, well, you know what? Let me cut off this relationship. No, like at that point, I, I kind of enjoyed the night scene. Mm -hmm. So now this is opening me up to go out to bars and clubs on a regular at this point. Also... We tied in a connection uh, between uh, this friend of mine out in the valet with the valet driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this fr homeless friend with the valet driver. Now, there's not the valet driver who was from the skate park, but there was another valet driver who was just kind of behind the scenes at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, he was he comes across a lot more reserved in attitude. Um, but he once he opens up to you, like he was he was pretty chill. He was pretty cool. So I, I enjoyed hanging out with that guy, too, because there was on one night where every time I walk by, like, I always I always dab these people up. I always go up to them and say, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Uh, how, how's the day going? Um, but I never actually hung out with them outside of uh, just chatting to them at the valet spot. Mm -hmm. So there's one night that this homeless friend of mine walks up to them maybe after work, after he gets off of work because he's now working out at front desk. And he, he's talking to a valet driver. And then next thing I know, I'm coming back from the gym. It's like same fucking situation as like first meeting this homeless man. Uh, we're just all uh, 
I, I've run into both of them drinking outside of that same spot. Oh, wow. So I'm uh, standing there chatting with them. And they're like, yeah, let's set up a spot tonight. I'm like, all right, sure. Let me uh, let me go back to my place, shower, and then I'll come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll meet you back here in like 30 to 45 minutes. So we did that. We went out. We had a decent time. I connected with this valet driver for the first time, um, and we had um, good conversations. Um, there was at one point, I've realized this uh, connection with this homeless man was just too toxic. We went out to this place called Hawks. It was it was it was fun because college students were coming out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so like on a Thursday, Friday night, it would get wild. Um, and I remember going out there with him one night. I think this was without the valet driver there. Um, and I was I was chatting up some people and it was very much from the confidence that he was helping, like boosting me. Mm-hmm. So like at this time, by having this friendship with him, like my confidence levels were mm-hmm. like going up. Mm-hmm. It was just continuing to go up. And so. I was having a good time here. Um, he was having a good time. We were separated. We were both on our own uh, on our own game at that time. And then I'm like, well, I got to get going. I'm going to let this guy know. He wanted to leave around like 10, 11 o'clock. Um, but this, it was reaching around like 12, 1, uh, 1 a.m. at this point. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have work in the morning. It's a Thursday night. I have work uh, Friday morning, and I'm letting him know, hey, look, bro, I'm going to get going. He's like, no, nah, man, don't leave without me. I'm like, look, man, I can't stay any longer. If you want to stay, you're staying, but I'm going. Um, and then eventually I get going and leave him behind. Then I come back maybe that next day or over the weekend to that same spot, and there was a, one of the bouncers there I made a good connection with over time. Um, and... He tells me, he's like, Josh, uh, that buddy of yours from that night, what's up with him? I'm like, why? What do you mean? He's like, there were a lot of complaints about him uh, that night, and like we had to call the police on him. I'm like, what, why? What did he do? He's like, pretty much every lady in the uh, bar were complaining that he was just too close. He was too mm-hmm. touchy. He was, too, uh, he was being too much. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I cannot speak to that. <laughs> and so I do talk to this guy after the fact, and I, like, bring it up to him. But, like, he's very confrontational and defensive mm-hmm. about it. So, like, I'm starting to understand and see through a lot of... You see, like, a different side of him? Yeah, you're starting to see a different side at this point. The colors start to shift, and, like, me valuing this friendship, valuing this relationship... Mm-hmm. And I guess something that I didn't really touch on too much at this point was uh, certain things that I carried on from my, like, last couple months in New Jersey was that I believed one of the most important things in life for anyone, for everyone, Mm -hmm. are just their relationships. It's really your relationships that hold you together Mm -hmm. in who you are. There's, There's one, like, analogy or I don't know how to describe one one uh. One example that I use or a visual that I use to try to uh, like wrap my mind around this sometimes or just like serve as the mantra is that your relationships are like legs of a table. You have your friends, you have your family as another leg, you have your boyfriend or girlfriend, your partners as another leg. Um, and maybe, maybe some work colleagues or something like that. And that all helps support you. But at any moment, any of those uh, relationships can just go. Mm-hmm. You you do your darn best to like keep those relationships. 
But you can't keep yourself supported with those relationships if you don't keep yourself supported right at the center mm-hmm. of it. So at the center is just you like unconditionally loving yourself. So I always kept that in mind. But as part of like you having that unconditional love for yourself, unconditional support for yourself, what's next is your relationships. So I always thought relationships were important and there's not much that can get in the way in between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can always, almost always make things work with it. So at this time, I thought in any relationship, there were there was a hint of value to get from any mm-hmm. any relationship that you have in life. It's like you would never like, turn anyone away, basically, yeah. when people like wanted to talk to you or like mm-hmm. anything like that. You, you know, there's friendships we had mm-hmm. that were not the healthiest, mm-hmm. it's like within our circle. Mm-hmm. Um, not drawing it back to our high school friends. High school friends, we love you. But, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing it uh, to a broader circle that yeah. we've had in our groups before. Yeah. And like there are like toxic relationships yeah. we've had or unhealthy relationships we've yeah. had in our groups. And so but at that time, I always thought like I can look past it. Mm-hmm. I can look past it. Regardless, because there is still those as as few as they uh, as those moments are, yeah. there are still moments that they've added value into my life. Yeah, I feel like it's a hard thing, too, because like even even drawing this back to, to, to the friend that you made, um, you you had made already all these like good memories with him, like going out, like you feeling yourself opening up more mm-hmm. um, because of him. Then to hear like this other side, it's like it's a hard thing to, to deal with, too, because it's like you you see like the good side and I guess naturally you want to accept that more than like the bad side that, that you're getting from somebody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like for, at this moment, like all I'm seeing is that I can, uh, that this person has added value into my life and there are times where not everyone's going to be the best. They're not going to be the best people, but there were, there was a point that I had to start realizing that, uh, toxicity in a relationship, mm-hmm. toxicity in uh, friendship is just too much and you have to cut it. Mm-hmm. And so this was very much drawn very close to that point. So at, whether it was that week or soon after, I just disconnected with this person, realizing that I have to shift my mindset a little bit here. I can't just open myself to everyone. I really wanted to open myself up to everyone at this point, especially given that I was coming into a new town that I was unfamiliar with everyone. And you, you very much know me too. Like, even if it wasn't uh, just walking down the street, if there were homeless people who approached us and said something to yeah. us, I, I wouldn't give them money, but yeah. I also would acknowledge You, like, you them. would engage with them, yeah. Yeah, I, I would try not to, like, carry on a whole conversation. Yeah. There were a few occasions that <laughs> conversations would ensue. Uh, but I would I would say, hey, no, sorry, not today, mm-hmm. not tonight. Um, and I, w- I, I also kind of felt, I, I would always go with that. Uh, approach of saying not tonight not be- because I always still felt bad in my heart to mm. say like I don't have money because I knew yeah. I was lying yeah. uh, whether or not I did have money I would just say not tonight and so that was always my approach at that point but I was always acknowledging the person because I always felt like they at least deserved a bit of my attention mm-hmm. um, so I opened myself up to a lot of people but at this point I started to realize that I have to close my uh, close, close in the people that you welcome in a little bit to be mm-hmm. a little more narrow than as wide as it was. Mm-hmm. So I cut that person out. He's out of my life now. But I'm still chilling with this uh, valet driver. Oh, okay. Valet driver is pretty cool. Like, we go out week after week. But then I also start seeing ugly sides to him, too. Mm-hmm. Now, realize I'm opening myself up to people that 
might not be the best in life uh, already, just given their circumstances, but or given their their professions in life, mm-hmm. perhaps. Now, that's not to say people who have lower professions are lower people. Uh, not at all, because there are circumstances that really interfere with uh, somebody's growth in life, and that's that's always the like silver lining I was looking for mm-hmm. when I was looking at these uh, relationships that I had. But maybe I should have marked red flags off quicker to mm-hmm. like cut off relationships. Yeah. I think is what I probably looking back at it how I should have handled a lot of these relationships. So I'm hanging out with this uh I'm hanging out with this valet driver a little more and I start realizing well like how like dependent he is on other folks in his life. Like his dad was well off uh and he was providing for everything for him and like he just kind of like grew a level of complacency in life. And but he would come off with a very strong attitude of like how accomplished he is when much of what he uh, is describing as being accomplished is really just a cover for who he really was. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I started uh, seeing through that a little bit more too, like it made me a little less easy in our friendship, but I still, I still entertained him. I still entertained the friendship where I would go out with him like week after week or every other week or so on. So that connection continued on strong until like there was bad publicity out there in the news about him. There was an occasion where he like assaulted his girlfriend and that came out on the news. And then there was serious threats against uh, other valet drivers in the same uh, workplace that he was at mm-hmm. right next door to where I was mm-hmm. that um, came out onto the news back to back stories. Yeah. So I was like, it's like on, on like TV or like it might, it may have been on TV. It may it have was been like on some, like local like, news like or something, but you, if it. you were to look up his name, it would come. Yeah. It would pop up. I was like, shit, man, like the people you connect with, the stories that they hide. Um, And then like you dig deeper, you start seeing like stories that were out there about him, like back when he was 19. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like I would have expected this. Like Mm -hmm. there there were things that were off about this guy and how he uh, like just his way of carrying himself. But I didn't expect all of this. Mm -hmm. Like he was a cool guy just to chat with sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it did build up bad habits in me. Mm-hmm. I started to see because I, I was going out a little too frequently. I was going out to drink a mm-hmm. little too frequently. I was going out to try to socialize just with anybody a little too frequently, just because of these, uh, this relationship that this friendship that I built. And it wasn't encouraging me to do anything much better in my life outside of going out to drink and also just going to work. So, um, that's just the habit I built, but that was very much based on like the people I was surrounding myself with. Mm-hmm. So that was that part of my life. Do you think like, because now you're having like back-to-back situations where people that you like let into your life ended up being like not so great. So did mm-hmm. that, how much of an impact do you think that had now like on, on your view of, of making those kind of connections now? Yeah, it, it impacts it a lot. I've, and I think we kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about um, our personality mm-hmm. tests. But we didn't really dig into it, like, like the stories behind mm-hmm. why. Um, but it's made me a lot more insensitive to people. Mm-hmm. Made me a lot more insensitive to opening myself up to new people. I, I will still chat with strangers if, like, the, like, within a friend group or something. I might, if somebody was to approach me, I'm not going to turn my head and uh, nod them off. 
I was so engaged in conversation because I still see value in networking with people. Networking is how you're, you're to grow. But I also draw the line where there's a point where you can't just open yourself up to everyone. You have a limited amount of time here. Mm-hmm. Your time is valuable. All of our times are valuable. We can't just like spend and we can't just give an hour to anybody. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I was willing to give up however much amount of time that anyone was asking me just because I thought it was important to nurture relationships. Mm-hmm. It's important to nurture relationships, but only to the extent that it's not harming yourself. So while that's very much like uh, not too hard to discern, I think that was a big step for me. It was a big step for me because I've always at this point had a level of compassion to almost anyone that was walking by that I just wanted to be able to have that loving, nurturing or compassionate side to uh, to provide if ever needed. But that kind of stopped there. That kind of stopped after having like these back to back situations where I started realizing, well, what I'm doing has built these bad habits in my own self that's not contributing to a healthy lifestyle. And and this whole situation, I guess both of these situations, they was this going on just in that whole summer? That that whole summer? Um, no, the summer's passed. We're over in like the fall to uh, winter time. Mm-hmm. So going into the fall, going into winter, this is when I'm going out back to back mm-hmm. to back almost like two, three times a week. Um, and these habits were really built off of these friendships that I had. I mean, I'm to blame. I'm to blame because I'm opened myself up to a lot of this and I continue to live with those Mm -hmm. habits. But these friendships were very much encouragement to uh, continue on with the habits. But around the turn of uh, COVID, I also lost and got fired from my job. Mm -hmm. So I lost my job. And I, at this point... Now I have to get my shit together. Yeah. <laughs> I have to figure things out. Yeah. I've built on so many bad habits, but like I haven't really been looking outwards. I haven't really been looking outside of work and uh, going out to drink. Mm-hmm. My life, my meaning of life was very limited at this mm-hmm. point. Um, so this was a monumental shift in my mindset now, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, shit, you have this huge thing that unsettles you or uh, trips you on your path in life. Um, and now it, it wakes you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it woke me up. It woke me up to see, well, I have to get my shit together. And I started to see like new paths in life. Uh, this obstacle really opened up more paths. Mm-hmm. So I lost my job. Um, we can dive into that perhaps on a different occasion as to like really how did it come to that point. Yeah, But I now have, to, now I'm uh looking on to new horizons. So COVID happened around the same time. Really important context here because not only do I have reason not to go out as much because I lost my job, but COVID forces mm-hmm. you now. You have no other option, but yeah. you can't go out. Yeah. So I, I think while COVID sucks, it made life so much more challenging. It, it helped me out of the time because it forced me to stay in. It forced mm-hmm. me to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. It forced me to do what I thought was, well, what I evaluated at that time to start to become more important. 
Um, so I started building some skills. I started applying to new jobs, and I started to plan out my life a little bit. Um, and I and at that time, I made the decision I'm going to move back to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I I think we we might have spoken about this a little bit, but how, how much um, how much thought really really went into that, like coming back to Jersey specifically? Because like um, for people that don't know, like Josh at that point in his life, he really could have gone anywhere. Because um, coming back to Jersey, he was looking for a place to live on his own. So like you weren't gonna move back with your parents or or anything like that. So you 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 made the conscious choice to come back to Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. So was there like a lot of thought put into that, or was that just like in the easier decision given like the circumstances? It, it's definitely a combination. Yeah. So there's options that were uh, going through my mind. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like I can stay here in Wisconsin. I can take on a lower paying job and just continue to pay bills here until I can establish myself mm-hmm. to move on to a better job. So, but then I started thinking about, well, let me just see if I can get any job offers before I have to move. Mm-hmm. And if those job offers bring me elsewhere, I'll go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen. So I figured. All right, well, best option is let's go back to New Jersey where it's going to be easiest. Mm -hmm. So I did choose that easier route at that time. Mm -hmm. I did choose the route that was most comfortable. So, But like you said, I still made this conscious decision to not move back with my parents. I still wanted to experience this part of life where I am not just being provided for. Mm -hmm. So even though I had nothing lined up at this time, I still signed off a lease. I still uh, moved in where I was going to have to worry about paying bills. I had money saved up. I didn't use my money recklessly, even though I was going out frequently. Mm-hmm. I still allocated my money in a way that I had enough backed up that I had my emergency fund. If I really had to pull into it, I had enough money in my account that I can uh, use to pay bills that I wasn't overly stressed about it. Mm-hmm. But there was a sense of instability here. And this also strikes the chord of I didn't want to live a life of stability. One of uh, my biggest fears, and this was this draws back to a part of my decision moving out to uh, Wisconsin in Mm -hmm. the first place, was that I feared stability. Mm -hmm. I feared a life that you already have just one path you're going down and Mm -hmm. that's just the rest of your life. Yeah. I always uh, imagine life to be part of a struggle. Anybody's story, when you're looking, when you're thinking about what makes a good story, you as a filmmaker will know it's part of those challenges that come along with mm-hmm. it. It was this fear that if I was to ever live a life of complacency or stability, that not much interesting will happen in my life. And during that like low point in my life down in Wisconsin. That's what that's what I was living. Mm-hmm. I was living a life of stability until I I was woken up. Yeah. Um. So that only makes me value that a little bit more mm-hmm. coming out of that situation. That let's continue to live by that. Let's continue to live by a uh, little, little sense of fear of stability. You want to plan out as much as you can, but be ready for anything that might come your yeah. way. And and I guess. Um, since you touched on it, like in, in this time, let's say like right, right before like 
getting fired where you're living like um like a stable l- mm-hmm. life like you you have a routine that you like got yourself into in, in that point are you are you like not enjoying it like are you like consciously thinking like um because you're having this outlook of of not wanting stability but now you're in like a sort of stable like life did, did you ever have that acknowledgement or is this something that comes later where you're like in, in reality this isn't i wasn't really enjoying life fully you know that's a great question uh, i'm not really sure like thinking back at it i think i was just moving with the flow of things mm-hmm. and thinking that well at any moment this might i might flourish i might make some good connections out mm-hmm. here i might be able to one day things might just uh shift up mm-hmm. a little bit just because of how like open i was really mm-hmm. being to people um and just living day by day like that so I was still living day by day very much, but it was living day by day with very much the same habits. Mm-hmm. So it was it was bad habits. And I, I guess I was consciously aware of like the toll it was taking on my health. But maybe I wasn't so consciously aware of like it taking away from my like happiness. Mm-hmm. Now, like in retrospect, I can see that it was taken away from my happiness because I can see where the shift in uh, happiness levels mm-hmm. have are really are really at yeah because i was certainly not as happy as i um as i am now mm-hmm. back then so i think i think that has uh definitely its impacts there so we're on the plans back to new jersey i am living with a roommate i am connecting a little bit more with at this point so i moved in with a guy well i, I, I moved into a new apartment around the beginning of september my roommate at that time moved out and I had a new roommate move in around like the middle of October, I think it was. And I, and I was living with him up until I moved out mm-hmm. to New Jersey. That was the middle of April. April. Uh, I guess additional context here, I lost, I was given notice that I was losing my job around the middle of February. So they gave me two months notice, which is, which is great. It gives you plenty of time. Mm-hmm. So I try to help yourself out. Um, and so around this two months notice time, I let my roommate know. I let him know. Uh, you're gonna we're gonna have to start working on finding somebody to replace me if I'm making this decision to move. But let me let me make this this decision by like this date. So I, mm-hmm. I make the decision. I'm moving out. Um, and he has opened me up to part of his friend group too. So um, my roommate Osamu. Um, shout out Osamu. Shout out Osamu, bro. I'm coming back. We're we're gonna hang out sometime soon. Anyway. Back to the story. Osama's a good friend, Alex. Uh, I've made a I made a connection with him at this point too. Um, and Alex was like very kind and like very he 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 has he has the same like outlook when it comes to relationships where he likes to serve as like that hub. I I, I looked at him very much as I look at our job where our job really brought together a lot of people. So once I started like um, seeing. Alex a little bit more hanging out around Alex a little bit more I started to see that side of him and like that made me have a like unique connection with him that I didn't really share with many other people I had and I met in Wisconsin mm-hmm. because he very much reminded me of some a really good friend of ours here in New Jersey mm-hmm. um I didn't really get into that too much but that that's uh Alex did serve part of that role when it came to the group that Osamu was part of um but I didn't, I didn't connect all that well with the broader group, but I did hang out with Osamu and Alex separately a lot. And 
more so towards the point where they we all know that I'm leaving soon. Mm-hmm. We all know I lost my job. We all know that I'm planning on moving out to New Jersey. Um, so at this moment, we're thinking, well, let's try to make the most of this. I mean, I share that one of my what one of my favorite films are uh, Before Sunrise. We talked about it mm-hmm. on many occasions. Maybe one time, one of these episodes, we'll talk about it. Um, and we watched that together. We actually watched through the whole trilogy. It's the trilogy. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before uh, Midnight. So... We watched, like, week after week, watched all that together. We went on some hikes. We made dinner together. We had, like, a really wholesome time before I moved out. Um, and, like, we had some really engaging conversations. Like, there's there's one thing that really stuck with me, which is uh, uh, said by Alex, but uh, Alex has shared with me since that it was a concept or idea shared to him by Osamu, is, like, yeah, we want to live each day like it's our last, but we still want to hold on to where we are like we're going to live here for a long time, as if we're going to live here for a mm-hmm. long time. So this struck this idea at this time, like, I'm moving next week. Mm-hmm. They're like, why don't we just, uh, this, this house is looking very bare. This apartment's mm-hmm. looking very bare, Josh. Why, why don't we, like, put up decorations? <laughs> I'm like... That just sounds beautiful. Like, I'm moving out of here and uh, soon, but let me still treat this place as if I'm going to live here for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we never actually ended up doing that. I sure wish we did. Um, it does take some energy and effort to, like, put that and plan that uh, all together. Definitely something we could have done. I'm just making up excuses right now. <laughs> um, but... Like, just the idea, I thought I it was beautiful. Yeah, because it, it's something that uh, when you told me this before, it made me think about how, like, when, when you're leaving a job, um, let's say you're, like, last week, a lot of people, they're just, like, checking out. It's, like, it's, it's my last week of work. But it's almost the idea of, like, even if it's your last week, like, work 100% as if this is – because mm-hmm. this is still your job till the end of the week. This is still your home till the end of the week. So still work as much as you would have worked as if, it, you know, you were going to live there for the forever exactly um so yeah that, i i really that that really stuck with me too when, when you told me that that's a really good uh sentiment yeah and, and that was said to me over a year ago i still mm-hmm. remember that i still remember that never left so long story short at this point since we're wrapping up and we're winding down is that um we got to share some valuable moments together before i moved off mm-hmm. uh and they helped me pack up uh the apartment put it into a truck they're the last people I've uh, waved goodbye to. Mm-hmm. I, I have it on film. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we can share that sometime. But we have I have it on film. Yeah, just uh, pointing the camera towards them and waving goodbye and driving off in my truck. That yeah. was beautiful. Um, I sure miss them, and I'm excited to go back to Wisconsin and give mm-hmm. them a visit soon. So I guess to wrap up, I mean, where where do you think your your mindset? Because I guess from from where we started, you you had this outlook of of wanting to uh, be very um, like open to, I guess open to not being like stable. Mm-hmm. Do do you think that change like coming back here is is that something that you still like feel? I I am still actively seeking challenges yeah. every day. So p- part of this, like just hosting a podcast, mm-hmm. it's not it's not something easy to like tie into your day. Mm-hmm. It's not something to add as an extra thing now it's, it's kind of like a business mm-hmm. um so or it's kind of like a new job so i'm still looking to add additional challenges for my own personal growth 
my professional growth as well. Um, and you and you can see it very much as like we we might like dive into this more in like future episodes. Yeah. There's a point like seven months ago, I quit a job with no job lined up. Mm-hmm. That was a huge challenge. That was a huge risk of entering a stage of another stage of instability mm-hmm. where I welcomed it and made out in a way that I'm happy with uh, what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like in the future too, like I'm still looking for new challenges. I very much like love this idea of like starting my own business. Mm-hmm. Very much love this idea of like the risks that come with having to start your own business and the unknowns, mm-hmm. the uncertainties that are involved in that. So there is a lot that I've like uh, learned from the experience of all the uncertainties that I experienced out in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and a lot of that that uh, I have uh, am continuing to experience now with like entering into different areas of mm-hmm. unknowns. So I wouldn't say that part has left me. I still very much value this level of instability that I think is a big part that you mm-hmm. shouldn't like remove from your life. Do you have any um, big takeaways that you'd like to share any like big major lessons that you'd share to somebody that might be like in a similar situation or wanting to go through a similar situation (laughs) don't don't stop yourself um don't let my bad experiences stop you um it's really the way that you make out with it really the way that you live through it um and don't let my bad experience open it up to drinking either Uh, stop you because that wasn't really what brought me down it was more of the people that I was around that brought me down it wasn't the fact that I was drinking that uh, contributed to me having a less of a healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. but the relationships that I had at that point so do be consciously aware of who you open up in your life Mm -hmm. who you open up to in your life uh, what relationships you let enter in and really think about, are these relationships important to me? Are these relationships valuable? Relationships do have value. Um, and you can find value in almost any relationship, in every relationship. But there is a point where there's more sacrifice you're making than gaining value. So don't let this, don't let the idea of uh, being compassionate and loving uh, to every relationship that might enter into your life stop you from also being selfish sometimes sometimes we still have to be selfish Mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's something um i i've been trying to think about a lot too is that i think there is like a a healthy selfishness that you can have mm -hmm. um like doing things for yourself and uh i think often a lot of people end up doing like too much for other people that they ignore like their own well-being yeah you always have to still look out for your own well-being. Yeah. And that draws back to that uh, visual I was mentioning before. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, your relationships might not always be there to support you. Uh, some relationships might end up being more toxic than you expect, mm-hmm. might bring you down a little bit more than you expect. So you still have to be there at the center to hold yourself up. It's great stuff. And I'd really like to continue, but I'm far too busy for the rest of the evening. Really? I don't know if you heard, but... The dogs were calling me. <laughs> I'm hearing it. I don't know if everyone else hears it. I don't it. know if they, yeah. I, I was, I was looking do. at the thing. I don't think they will, which is good. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going uh, on a dog walk with um, Kylie again. An- another wow. Another date. Uh, you are really on like. Talking like date number three. Round? Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I know. Like, what did you do? How did this happen? We, I met her on a hinge. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh. How? I sent her a message. What did you say? I just, like, it was a really funny joke. What was um, the joke? Well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you uh, because then you might use it, but it was like a, it was tasteful to the point where I guess we're on date three, which is great. I'm, do, I'm really happy. Incredible. I'm man. much happier than you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, wait, wait, wait. I'm not, not kidding about the third date. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank no, God. But, thank um, God. yeah, sure. What do you have going on? Well, actually this time I don't have much going on with, uh, I'm not involved in my dog, hot dog eating contest, mm-hmm. but I do have, uh, uh, Big game of ball to play right now. Uh, basketball. Basketball. Um, oh, are you in the... Um... Yeah, March Madness right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, because, yeah, there's like there's some games going on, I think. Yeah, for March Madness. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm very involved in that right for now. For March Madness. For March Madness. Okay. Yeah, so I have a big game tonight. Um, a lot's at stake. Okay. And I'm about to uh, win the uh, NBA playoffs. Okay, well, best of luck. I guess with that um thanks for watching guys this this was a really great episode um these i feel like the, every episode is just just getting better yeah i'm enjoying um, it a we're lot. having some really good conversations um we have a website now we do should talk more.com yeah if you go there you'll find our socials um links to everything uh different platforms you can listen yep. to this on we're on Apple Music, Google Podcasts. Amazon. I, mean, I said Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and uh, Spotify. Spotify. And then yeah. there's other providers who mm-hmm. uh, stream out our podcast as yeah. well. So do subscribe, do listen in. Uh, check out shouldtalkmore.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find our socials there. Um, and yeah, thanks for watching. Thank you. Yeah, check everything out. Shouldtalkmore.com. It was a it was great uh, doing this. Anyway, we got to get going. I got to get going. I have uh, March Madness to play. <sighs> okay, goodbye. <laughs>